Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And ready to go. Hot by with Hutton Withrow underway on this Tuesday edition. We're glad you're with us as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody. Armando Salguero joins us coming up in hour number two. We've also got Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. A lot to get to, including a surprise firing across the NFL. But we start with college football, and we will get to Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Kimmel, ESPN, and much more. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. The hero that everyone wished for all year, the Michigan Wolverines. One of those underdog stories that everyone roots for. Nothing at all to see here. Bootstraps type guys. And they went back out there and they did it after promising that's what they were going to do with all those guys coming back this year. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. Absolutely nothing else to talk about other than this team going 15-0 and and winning a national championship. Congrats to Jim Harbaugh and his Michigan Wolverines. Hutton. They were treated like America's team last night, weren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. Well, the game itself, sloppy. But I, I believe that really good teams can make solid teams look really bad. Michigan should have been up big at halftime. They were not. Washington, very fortunate to be down 17-10 at halftime. They had, what, four possessions in the second half to tie the game. Could not do it. Michael Penix Jr. picked the wrong time to have his worst performance of the season. And even then, they're still in the game. Michigan could not take advantage. But when it counted, they did. Their defense was solid, been solid all season. And they end up covering uh, towards the the end of the game there. So... Here, here's what I'm thinking, Chad, as the confetti's falling and the conversation is more about, oh, there's Jim Harbaugh with his father, with John, his brother. And the conversation isn't about what the saga was all season long. We have discussed quite a bit about how this Michigan team will be remembered. The sign-stealing scandal, unbeaten season, Harbaugh suspended six games combined, three to begin, three to end the regular season. I mean, I came to the conclusion last night, I'm going to remember them as champions. Because while they may vacate wins a couple of years from now, that moment absolutely happened last night, and it was allowed to happen thanks to the NCAA and the infractions committee for not acting. Now, they've got certain guidelines they're going to follow, but the college football playoff committee... Put Michigan number one. They cash those checks. Combined, they'll split revenue of $500 million, the teams from the Power Five. The Big Ten stepped in on a sportsmanship violation, while the NCAA, they can't even type up the notice of allegations. We need a commissioner of college football because what we just watched, whether you care about sign stealing, whether you don't, what we just watched is a football program, a coach, and a university dare the governing body to prove it. And the head coach is proclaiming innocence for the entire program at the postgame presser. So what do we learn here? There is power, and then there is the appearance of power. And Harbaugh has it. So much so that if he was in on the stallion the, the sign-stealing saga and the mission to go out and, and do this, actively cheat and be brazen about it. He has so much power that no one, absolutely no one, has thrown him under the bus. Past, present, or anyone that has been kept out of a job or kicked out because someone else took their spot. Even Stallions himself took the fall, solo. We haven't heard from the linebackers coach. It's been Stallions as the face of this incident. And then Michigan... Offers him a 10-year, $125 million contract that's been on the table for months. Meanwhile, contrast that with 
the coaches that were involved publicly with this. Guess what Ryan Day will enter the season with next year? The hot seat tag. Nothing changes for his job status. The Big Ten is going to sell their national championship and their runner-up. Sharon Moore, who absolutely knew what Stallions was up to. He's on the sideline standing right next to the dude. He's going to be the next head coach of the Michigan Wolverines whenever we see Harbaugh jump to the NFL. And then there's the, the NCAA. Uh, they are more or less representing the, the figurehead status, like the royal family. Everyone can, can be livid and, and get after Harbaugh, but, I mean, you could be pissed off at Michigan or the Michigan man. But just remember, the college football playoff in the NCAA, they, they allowed, they stood, they stood back and had Tony Petiti do the work for them. The team that was representing the entire sport as the best in college football, Michigan, was the entire saga and storyline off the field for blatant rules violation. The news from this Yahoo Sports report broke on October 19th. Stallions on the Central Michigan sideline at Michigan State, that was October 31st. And January 8th, Harbaugh is on the stage accepting the national championship trophy on behalf of Michigan. And he's looked upon as the best in the sport at the moment. And he's looked upon as the best candidate for the National Football League job openings. I mean, what are we doing here? All of this talk and controversy and rules violations and or did you cheat, did you not? What difference does it make? Because if you make it there, the NCAA is going to crown you and the broadcast is not going to mention anything about it. And you sit back and, well, they'll get your photo op. They'll have the Harbaugh's together for the now the the trio of champions, even if all season long we've been talking about what the NCAA will do years from now, Chad. Years from now. Not now. Not whenever you can actually punish those involved. Years from now. And by then, we'll look upon this like we do Kansas and the basketball program, where Bill Self wasn't punished and no one really cared because it happened so long ago that no one really cares. That's where we are with this. I thought about a lot watching last night, Hutton. Well said by you with that. And one thing I thought about was Connor Stallion's Michigan football fan. Hmm. And what I mean by this is Connor Stallions was a guy who set out to win with Michigan football at all costs. He had, uh, I don't know how many files on him, but all these different plans of what he was going to do to get an advantage for his beloved Michigan Wolverines to make them a national championship winning program. I'm looking into the future now and I'm seeing the 30 for 30 or the Netflix documentary about Connor Stallions and the sign stealing scandal years from now. And I can see the director in the end of it. We can barely hear the director in the back say, well, was it, was it all worth it? And I can see Connor Stallions with a wry smile looking into the camera saying, was it worth it? Damn right. It was worth it. And that's how it cuts to credits and ends the documentary. And I think you could ask that same question, Jim Harbaugh to Sharon Moore to J.J. McCarthy, to Blake Corum, to every Michigan player, coach, every Michigan fan out there, and they would all have the same answer with all of this. Well, was it worth it? Damn right it was worth it. That's how Michigan fans would have gone about it. This is something that countless Michigan Wolverines fans, this is college football as a separating factor from a crazy fan base standpoint. They would have done that. If you would have told how many Michigan fans you can go put on Central Michigan gear and go illegally scout signs if you're good at doing things like this, decode them, bring them back to us, and help us over the course of a year and a half or two years, help us build to a roster and a team that is eventually going to go 15-0 and and win a national championship in Houston, Texas with maize and blue confetti raining from the rafters of NRG Stadium and all of us basking in the glory of the first unanimous undisputed national championship for Michigan football since 1948. How many Michigan fans would sign up for that? I would say a bunch of them. Every one of them. And I'm watching this game last night, Hutton, with a lot of conflicting emotion, starting with the Open, which 
ESPN for their faults. They do a great job yeah. with the open of that. John Williams, the score that he has for the national championship game, that's specifically composed for the national championship game, terrific. Going back to Tony Dorsett, Tommy Frazier, Tim Tebow, Vince Young, talking about their national championship moments, powerful. I love the buildup and the lead-in to the game. And I understand why when you're covering a championship, not it's not a game, it's an event. Mm-hmm. It's an all-day-long buildup for that moment. Why you don't want to spend any time harping on scandal, controversy, NCAA investigation. I understand all of this, but I'm watching this game, watching the Michigan players, even watching Jim Harbaugh in that likable moment with John when he surprises them on the sideline and they embrace. Watching all this, and I'm thinking, man, this is a likable group. This should be a really good story. I should feel really, really strong and really good about this. All these emotions I'm having right now watching this game and watching Michigan win a national title, I shouldn't be conflicted with those emotions. But I can't help it. I'm conflicted today. Watching the celebration for Michigan, knowing what went on in the build-up to this, watching all of it. I don't know that McCarthy and Corum and Donovan Edwards and all of those great players, Junior Colson, the list goes on and on. I don't know what those guys knew. I know they knew that they had the other team's signs. I don't know if they knew how Connor Stallions was getting them. Don't know. There's no evidence to show they knew. So I'm going to separate them a little bit from this, but regardless, they were the benefactor of cheating, of blatant cheating. And how should we feel about that? That's up to you. That's up to Hutton. That's up to everyone in this studio. That's up to me to decide for yourself how you're going to ultimately feel about it. I think the thing I keep coming back to, though, Hutton, is I feel conflicted because this is a likable team. I I like everything they had to say in every interview. I like Jim Harbaugh at times, even though he's goofy. I should feel good about this championship, but I don't know that I feel awful about it. I just feel conflicted watching all the celebrations, interviews, everything else. I don't feel conflicted when I see Jim Harbaugh say we're innocent uh, the Tuesday morning afterward. You're not. You're not innocent of the first violation, violations that you were suspended for, and you're not innocent. Your program is not innocent of what went on with Connor Stallions either. That's just a bold-faced lie. Yeah, and it, it, again, like conflicted. I, I mean, the, the NCAA, the infractions, I mean, they're sitting back. They're not conflicted. You know, if, if you're not going to enforce things, then what are we doing? If you're going to kick the can down the road. Uh, this, I, I think we'll look back on this as one of the last opportunities the NCAA has to enforce some type of punishment that's over the, not over the top, but warranted based on what's gone on. And again, I'm, I'm also including what happened at the beginning of the season with the three-game yeah. self-imposed suspension. I'm also including uh, the, the, the likelihood of a lawsuit only to pull back on that as soon as more evidence uh, came to light. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's sitting out the final three games of the season. Again, all of this go, goes into the fact that I'm going to look at this season. Michigan's the national champion, period. Uh, NCAA can, you know, uh, kick this can. They can do this down the road with the uh, pull the banner. I mean, even post-game, they're saying, you can't, you can't take this away from us. You can't take this banner down. The broadcast was saying that. Yeah, and I don't know that they can only because of um, the college football playoff being a separate entity well, from an NCAA championship like the basketball tournament. So I don't think they can pull banners. Up. Here's what I want to get away from, though, and this goes to basketball and everything else. The idea of vacating things, the idea of vacating wins or championships or whatever. If you're really that convinced and that mad at Michigan for what happened and you're the NCAA, if you want to show some teeth, you penalize the future of Michigan football. This has happened. As I just mentioned, everybody's going to say it was worth it. If you were a part of that ride, if you're a fan, if you're a coach, a player, whoever, you're going to say it's absolutely worth it to go 15-0 and beat Ohio State three straight times and win a national title and all that, Big Ten title. It, that was worth it. When you need to ask that tough question is two, three, four years down the road when Michigan's at a scholarship reduction – um, at other issues where they got postseason bans or a ban happening, yep. and they're in the midst of a really tough time in their program, a year and a half, two years into that tough time, then you got to ask everyone at Michigan, boy, was that national title 
that none of the players in the team then, was that worth it for you? Because it's really tough right now. That's the only way to show any teeth if you're the NCAA in this. And I think that's the only thing they can do or should do. I'm tired of the vacation part of it and taking that's away wins or games or anything do. else. Again, if it, that's all they can do, Chad, doesn't the, what, 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 what's the overall list, lesson from, from this entire well, season? And, and here's the thing. You can't penalize Jim Harbaugh because he's going to be gone for an NFL job. If they were to promote Sharon Moore or anyone on staff, you could punish them in the future. But I think if you're the NCAA, what you're punishing, you're not coming at it and saying, I'm punishing future athletes. You're punishing Michigan. Michigan athletics that stood behind their guy, that offered him a contract extension, that were defiant about everything up until the time it was about to get to court, then they decided to back down and take the penalty. They were defiant the whole way through. So you're really just giving, you're levying a penalty to Michigan football and Michigan athletics, regardless of who the players are or who the coach is at that point in time, because we all believe it's not going to be Jim Harbaugh. Chad, there, there's another huge concern for college football. Yeah, there is. Officiating. It's got to get better. I, I'm tired of the excuses with it, and I understand the limitations of finding good officials starting in the youth and high school ranks that everyone faces. And I, I take my hat off, I tip my hat, to officials everywhere that sign up to do it, especially the ones that aren't doing it for a lot of money. These college football officials are making pretty good money to do it. NFL officials making good money, but that's a, another issue for another day. they got to get better. we got to have more consistency from game to game. And I'm not not coming on here and saying, oh, you know, Washington lost because of officiating. Washington lost because they had to play their A game to have a chance. And they didn't. They didn't play good enough in that game. But they definitely don't have a chance when you get an ACC crew that refuses to call pass interference. If you are allowed with Michigan's physicality and their defensive backfield, to get handsy and mug the opposing receiver at times, you are going to win that game against Michael Penix Jr. in that offense and the way Washington likes to play. If you're going to call a hole that is a 48-yard difference after one of the few huge plays for Washington on a very questionable holding call, a call that you could make at any point in the game, when Michigan's down, or excuse me, Washington's down seven at that point, that's a game-changing play. You're going from first and 10 set up in Michigan territory, 25, 30 yards away from tying the game to second and 20 backed up in your own territory. That is a game swinging type call. You better make sure it's an absolute WWE SmackDown takedown on that play. And that, that one wasn't, there there were some legitimate holding calls that were called. And I know that Michigan had more penalties and more penalty yards than Washington in the game. It's not always about just the count of penalties and how many yards it was and which way it went. A lot of times it's what's allowed in a game. And if you're not going to call blatant pass interference on a defense, especially against Washington, that part of their whole thing is drawing pass interference penalties, you're not going to have any chance. That's not the ultimate reason Washington lost. They lost because they didn't play good enough. I think if they play their A game last night, it's a different story. It's coming right down to the wire. A one-score game either way, and maybe the Huskies win it. But Hutton, we can't put our head in the sand and deny the fact that there's not an issue with officiating across the sport. Yeah, and it's at the highest level of the sport. Yeah. Uh, You know, SEC crews, week in and week out, so inconsistent. The NFL, you know, they lost a a handful of their head referees, the White Hats. And you, you see the results right now. There's a lot on their plate, though. Same thing here, but, man, it's, uh, it's just... It, it, it's the dumbed-down version of what I'm used to. However, however, I do feel like last, last night was more of a throwback game in many ways. I mean, you had, what, 200-plus yards in the first quarter running the football. Uh, you, you had some explosive plays by Michigan, none by Washington, defensive-type uh, game. Um, and beyond that, tight score, low scoring. It wasn't the... the just the knockdown drag out uh, back and forth we saw from last year's last year's college football playoff in the semifinals, but we didn't get that blowout either, even though Michigan's first three drives looked like the, the easy mode. If you're playing you know, college football, yeah, sports, which I know pissed a lot of people off too. But- I, I don't, I don't get, I know JJ McCarthy's going to finish 27 and one as a starting quarterback in Michigan, which is insane. Yeah. And, and he's a great winner. 
and he's got some athletic ability, no doubt about it. He was 10 for 19. That's a throwback stat. For 140 yeah. yards in the game. And they didn't need anything else out of him. I get the game no. plan if you're Michigan week in and week out. But I, I, don't, I don't understand. Maybe he'll convince me otherwise. I do not understand the top 10 pick love. For J.J. Yeah. McCarthy. Yeah, and I that. agree. And there's a lot of people coming back and say, well, now Michael Penix Jr. back down to earth. This is why he's a third, fourth-round pick. I, I don't – He's going to be ridiculed for the injuries. I don't feel that way. It's it's the injuries that are the issue. And yeah. injury was a big part of last night. That guy was not near healthy, starting with the ankle and then whatever's going on with his hip or rib cage throughout the last half of the game. Um, that was an awful interception on the first play of the second half. I, I, I will say that. I have no clue what he's doing on that one. Looked like he was trying to throw it out of bounds and like fell short from just throwing it away. Even, I, I don't know what he was attempting to do on that yeah, one. He, just, he was off. He just missed. Yeah, he was, uh, he was but, not, hey, not himself. And you're right about McCarthy. Consider the quarterbacks that have won championships of, of late. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Mac Jones, Stetson Bennett. You know, he's, he's throwing bombs. The, the thing about the games they had. Yeah, right. And then you have J.J. McCarthy, who just won a national title. 27-1, his legacy there. He won uh, two Big Ten titles. He beat Ohio State twice. Adds a national championship. And he's 10 of 18 for 140 yards. You know, that's, uh, again, the throwback type game. They had two running backs that topped 100-plus this first time since 2010 we've seen that in a championship game. It's it's. I mean, there's a lot to like about they, Michigan. They show up and they do what they do. There's a lot to like about that team. The personalities, the fact that they all made a group decision, the guys that could have gone pro, yep. to come back and win a national title and give it a go at that, and they accomplished it. The throwback nature of their game, how physical they are, great offensive line, great defensive line, run the football. Jim Harbaugh's a wacky character, but it's the Connor Stallion stuff and the defiance of Michigan – in the face of all that, that it, it makes me conflicted about how I feel about this team and then winning a national title. I don't, I don't hate them. I don't hate it. I just feel conflicted about the whole thing. But, but uh, just to finally, just to put a bow on this, college football wants you to love them. They are the face of college football. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, the I love Washington. They're not, they're not conflicted about this. I, I, I do too. I, I love, love the Washington. whole story about DeBoer and, and Penix and, and where they were how they got back together at Washington from uh, first at Indiana, then Washington. I, I, I love the whole story. Um, I can't wait to watch uh, Will Rogers next year, by the way. Might I add that we're, we're talking a lot about Jim Harbaugh as NFL candidate, and he's going to be gone for an NFL mm -hmm. job. If I was an NFL owner and I'm looking for an outside-the-box college candidate as an NFL head coach I want to talk to, Kalen DeBoer is that guy. Yeah. I think his offense could translate well, it's to the NFL he's been. and what they do. And yes, NAI national champion, worked his way up, got to Fresno State, has done it now at Washington. Seems like a really good leader when I hear him yeah. talk. I mean, that to me, if I'm looking at an offensive mind, offensive guy, that their style, the way they go about their business, their offensive system could work and translate in the NFL. I'm talking to Kalen DeBoer. Uh, and if you could get Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix Jr., depending on when you draft, we talked about Ryan Day with Justin Fields as a pairing. I yeah. wouldn't mind that one bit if I'm one of these NFL openers. What's next for DeBoer is he's about to get paid again. Got an extension last year. Well, one way or the other. Well, he, that's right. <laughs> he's, he's paid $4.2, million. He's 44th nationally in pay. He's 7th in the Pac-12. Crazy. And that was with a, a bump last, last year. There's a big one coming. When you consider the average... Uh, or excuse me, it, every coach of the top 25, the top 25 highest paid coaches make at least six plus. So he's going to make well, well beyond that. Chad, I don't know what Mike Vrabel was making with the Titans, but he was signed through 2025 with a team option for 2026. And just like last year, when A.B. Adams Trunk, owner of the Titans, fired John Robinson after a contract extension earlier in 2023, here is, or excuse me, 2022, after the 2023 season, Amy Adams-Struck has fired Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. We spoke on what would be the surprise, the surprise firing. This is it right now. The sixth opening is in Nashville. Vrabel hits the free agent market for coaches. Not going to get traded. It's a tough process if you want to jump in and try to get your coach and start the interview process. 
You also have to have a coach that's going to sign off on the trade. Now, Vrabel enters the mix with Harbaugh for the most sought-after coach that's available. Meanwhile, the Titans are pointing to continuity, collaboration, and first-year general manager Rand Carthon going into now his second offseason. Comes from San Francisco, now in Nashville, and he's running the show. He's running the coaching search according to uh, the reports, according to Schefter. So here's another opening. And Vrabel, who went to the AFC Championship game, coach of the year, did more with less for a while and did, had back-to-back losing seasons. The Titans' ownership is telling their fan base in the NFL, having a winning season isn't good enough. Losing seasons back-to-back years, fireable offense. The expectation level in Nashville is extremely high based on the results that we've seen. And the results I saw from Vrabel were pretty good. I thought that the, the, the team behind him bought into the whole identity of who he is. They played hard for him. They beat the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars down the stretch of the season where they had no business competing with those teams. And despite all that, Vrabel is fired because of stuff that's going on behind the scenes. The structure isn't something that Vrabel wanted any part of. He wanted change, and so did the ownership. And Amy Adams Strunk, in a room with two alphas, her and Vrabel, there's one that remains, and it's Amy Strunk. If, if NFL media is correct on the marketplace for Mike Vrabel, He's the top option for NFL teams and not Jim Harbaugh. It's one or two. It's, it's, it's both those guys. I think it's, it's either or. Probably Harbaugh than Vrabel if I had to rank them right now. But the way NFL national media discusses Mike Vrabel as a great coach, and he's two years removed from winning NFL Coach of the Year. Keep that in mind. With all the injuries and everything else, getting the number one seed in the AFC in the playoffs – NFL media believes this guy is going to get hired immediately by someone, that he's that coveted by NFL jobs. I'll be curious to see what the actual marketplace is. I think it's going to be pretty good, and he's going to have a job quickly. Uh, what does this say about the Titans? I want to highlight paragraph two okay. of Amy Adams' strong statement. This is paragraph two, section three, sub, subsection B uh, from Amy Adams' Strunk in her release. Quote, As the NFL continues to innovate and evolve, I believe the team's best position for sustained success will be those who empower an aligned and collaborative team across all football functions. Last year, we began a shift in our approach to football leadership and made several changes to our personnel to advance that plan. As I continued to assess the state of our team, I arrived at the conclusion that the team would also benefit from the fresh approach and perspective of a new coaching staff. I think Greg Bedard had a report about some animosity about the Rand Carthon hire yeah. that maybe he wasn't fully qualified for the job based on his actual work description and what he was doing in San Francisco job performance. There were some saying diversity hire uh, with Rand Carthon and that people in the Titans organization, namely Mike Vrabel did not want him to be hired. They wanted to hire something else. Ryan Calden is the assumed. Ryan Calden, the guy that they, they, they may have wanted, right? When I see position for sustained success, innovate, evolve, empower, aligned, collaborative, team effort. This sounds like corporate mumbo-jumbo jargon that you would see in a boardroom somewhere when you're trying to have different functions for how you're going to get the TPS reports done. Um. Some of the best football factories out there, it is a dictatorship. Now, college is different from the NFL. I get that. Nick Saban doesn't have some team aligned. He's the head of that team. He's not going to everyone else and consulting on how you're going to do it. Collaboration is not part of it. Bill Belichick, at his best, in the best NFL dynasty maybe ever over that 20-year period, was it a collaboration with Brady? I'm sure he asked for insight from Brady. Brady led the locker room, but it was Bill Belichick's show. He was GM and head coach. This is an interesting approach that you are going to default to 
we are going to go with this new NFL initiative to innovate, evolve, align, collaborate, empower. And it sounds like Mike Vrabel wasn't in on that plan of what they wanted to do, and he wanted to run the show himself. I'm not saying you just go hire someone and make them a dictator. I think you show the power to become that and have more and more authority over an organization based on success, sound decision-making, all of those things based on your hires as well, which at times Mike Vrabel wasn't very good at hiring staff or knowing when to retain or, staff and knowing or, when to get rid of exactly. them. Exactly. So that, that's a big part of it too. That, that did, I, that I understand the apprehension around that. I, I would just caution to make that your franchise's entire mission statement of we're going to stick to this plan of all of this because when you find the right person, you give them that power. You empower them to make good decisions for football and you don't rely on whatever this flow chart is of collaboration that I still don't know who the hell makes the decisions on draft picks or free agents or anything else. It sounds like a catchy way of saying a bunch of words to make sure no one gets full blame the next time it goes south. Well, that was the way John year. Robinson got the full blame well, a year ago for everything, right? When they fired him well, but, for that roster. But at least Robinson was the, the president of the organization. Yes. Like, there was a hierarchy there. That was not determined whenever Rand Carthon was hired. And so it, I, I agree with you. They're buzzwords, whatever. They're uh, corporate mumbo jumbo. But it's also what they said last year. And I think the, the impression is the collaborative efforts, uh, for whatever reason, Amy Strunk wanted that whenever Robinson was fired. Vrabel wasn't doing it then because, again, Robinson was fired. And apparently he wasn't doing it now. So he's fired. So she's rolling it back out there again. And this, this is a behind-the-scenes, I believe, off-the-field, non-football-type move. This is more mindset and tone and uh, maybe blunt honesty, which is certainly variable, uh, and, and certainly Amy Adams Strunk, than it is the fact that they won, what, they, went seven, they won seven games and six games in back-to-back years uh, after going for, they won 41 games the four previous seasons combined. Uh, they had success, but I'm curious where they turn with Rand Carthon now coming from San Francisco with a chance to completely revamp what the Titans look like. You know, they go from Derrick Henry's final game. There's no way he's coming back. Going to complete. Uh, this is more of a... I also read that and think they're going more pass. They're going more flash. And they're going to open the Dome in 2027 with a completely revamped look than just the uh, we're, we're going to win in the trenches week by week. Well, I like how you phrase it, hunting about two alphas entered the arena and only one could leave, and it's the one that signs the checks. No, the owner. The, the owner is the one who's going to win out in, in that battle. I, I Fascinating to me about how we got to that point between those two people. And also, Mike Vrabel's position after this season and the season before, is not its strongest. So to give a little bit of defense of Amy Adams Strunk here, right? if you're going in and making a power play and saying, I want this or I want that. Now, if you believe in the coach and you think it's all personnel and it's not his fault and that doesn't anything to get fired, great. Then maybe you're going to hear that out a little bit more. But if you're someone who's angry about the way the last two seasons went, and your employee comes into your office and says, now I need this, this, and this, or I'm going to go get another job somewhere else because anybody else is going to hire me, and this is what it's going to take to win here, I don't think anyone would be overly receptive to that unless you truly love that person and had no issues with them at all. So I understand Amy Adams Strunk, if that's how it went down, her response being less than positive well, about that with Mike Vrabel. She doesn't want to lose, but Vrabel – a week and a half ago is dropping F-bombs to the media about how he feels about losing. Well, neither one wants to and, lose. And, but here's the key. I think her point is, you need to see to it that you're winning. Well, And he's saying, I can't because of the way this structure works right now. Well, And I'm not going to win here based on the, the but, roster and the way it's being structured. But more structure, you need to win. Okay, uh, how long are you going to give me to do this? Because if I come back next year, I'm fired at this time next year. Guaranteed if we just run it back the way we've been doing it. Because the way we've been doing it isn't working. Like that's the sentiment for the coach. I would also say if I'm Mike Vrabel and I don't like the direction that we're going, they're just looking at the franchise. Uh, 
you make a power play like this to get fired. Yeah. Because you, you control where you go. And so the, the question has been thrown out, well, why would he want to go to New England when they're going to be in a rebuild too? Because he's starting with his own plan and he walks in with complete control there. He walks in and starts from year one, not going into the final year of what would be his job status in 2024 with Rand Carthon, well, who he's not getting along with. Even if he's not, because I know there are a lot of reports that say, you know, he did not ask to lose his job or give an ultimatum or any of that. But if you to. go in there and say, this is what I want, yeah. um, you know, and, and if your thinking is, I don't have what I need here to succeed, again, playing devil's advocate, if I'm Amy Adams Strunk in that room, I'm thinking, Mike, this is your team. This is your identity. We, we, we wanted to go out and get your guys, right? This is a team that's supposed to play in your image, and now you're telling me these guys can't win. That what you've built from a team culture yep. chemistry mindset that, by the way, you know, got rid of some guys that you would think would be in line with Mike Vrabel this year also, that that's not working. So how long have you been here again? And now we got to reset everything but or I, you're going to walk. I, I, think I can key. understand being negative on that. I think that's key. The guys they got rid of, fired. Uh, they were shopping Tannehill and Henry in the offseason. I think that's all key. Those, those, that's not a decision Vrabel would have made. He wouldn't be on board with that. Hopkins came in because they still well, had Tannehill Well, Tart, you know, there, there are other situations, sure. too, that you would have described those guys as, and I think that was a Vrabel decision. Oh, yeah, but if you, if you cross him, you're gone. You're out. Davey, let's uh, jump into NFL overreaction. We've got uh, plenty to hit, including uh, everyone just assumes that, that Vrabel's going to New England. Uh, they do. Uh, one of the things that's still standing in the way is the fact that Bill Belichick is still the head coach there. And so we're going to start this off, but Bill Belichick will not be a head coach in the NFL next season. I think that's an overreaction. I think he's still the head coach right now in New England. And he's going about the day-to-day -day operations because they have to go through the process of trading him. That doesn't happen in day two after the season ends. Um, he's still the head coach in New England because, well, if they not the head coach in New England, they're not going to get anything in return for him right now. I think they're. Uh, I think Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft are, are working with him to set up a trade and have a landing spot for Bill Belichick. I think it's an overreaction. I think he's going to coach. I, I, I'm confused as why you know Josh Harris need to hire uh, Magic Johnson and Bob Myers and all these people on this committee. Are they going to figure out how to make the trade happen? Well, Magic because Johnson's part of that ownership. Group, I think that this is, but I'm talking about the actual legend, the, the, whatever the leadership committee is, he assigned. And yeah. he just hired Bob Myers. Do they have to get all of them together to figure out how to make a trade? Because it, he's going to end up in Washington, is my thought. This is how this is going to end for Bill Belichick, is he's going to get traded to Washington. So it's an overreaction. He will be coaching next year. Okay, guys. Uh, another coach, Chad, you kind of brought this up about Nick Sirianni. Uh, he might be a guy that teams are looking at or the Eagles are looking at. And so I would say this, the, the Eagles, their losing streak's going to continue against the Tampa Bay Bucks coming up. They've lost five of their last six. Overreaction on that, I think they go to Tampa and win. I think they, they figure it out. I don't believe Tampa's very good. If they lose to this Tampa team, though, and they go out this way, this season, with that roster, with going for broke, surprise firing number two could very well be Nick, Nick Sirianni in Philly. Mike Vrabel would be one. Nick Sirianni now would be number two. If they lose, though, and he's not fired, he is squarely on the hot seat, as in don't get off to a great start next year, and he may get canned midseason. But I think they win I against the Bucs. I mean, I want to back them. Two weeks ago, I'm all in on Philadelphia being a team that bounces back. They started 10-1. and one. They've lost five of their last six. And while I don't trust Baker Mayfield every single week, what evens the playing field for me is Jalen Hurts' throwing hand and A.J. Brown's knee injury. So, yes, I, mean, I, I don't think it's an overreaction to say that the losing streak continues. I, I think Tampa can win. Uh, and this time, I know they don't have Tom Brady under center, but uh, the Eagles are not the Philadelphia Eagles right now. They're, they're a mess. And Sirianni's going to have to answer for it. He can keep his job. He's going to have to answer for it. And they fired their defensive coordinator. They've uh, had issues with with continuity, you know, and a commitment was the word that Hurts used, what, five weeks ago. This is more than just a, a competition on the field against a, a very average team from the NFC South. And it, it's crazy to think that the Philadelphia Eagles are facing a team in the, in the first round of the NFL playoffs from the NFC South, and there's a possibility. They're, they're, 
literally you're you're thinking, well, yeah, Tampa can win that game. They should not even have any nope. business being in this conversation. Well, the good news is uh, Big Dom should be able to return to the sidelines. Things have gone downhill ever since his go. suspension. Guys, sticking with the head coaching ranks, talked about Jim Harbaugh to start the show off, but Jim Harbaugh is coaching Los Angeles Chargers next season. I'd like to see Big Dom as interim coach in Philly if Sirianni gets <laughs> fired midway through next season. That'd be an interesting uh, elevation of role. Um, not an overreaction. He's going to be in the NFL, and I'm trying to figure out the perfect spot, the landing spot for him. I think it's the Chargers, given the quarterback situation. Uh, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think this will be – he's going to have multiple options. I think L.A. with the Chargers will be the landing spot for Harbaugh. I, I think it is an overreaction. I'm going to give the, the, the alternate view here. The Chargers are going to be in a bidding war with Josh Harris and the Washington Commanders. Washington, I feel like, could be a better job, believe it or not. They have an owner who absolutely is hell-bent on winning. Number one, they have an owner who's going to spend money. Spanos isn't known for doing that. He's not known for spending money on coaches. Uh, they have the most cap space right now going into the offseason. They have the number two overall selection in the NFL draft. And the, the other part of this is Ron Rivera was winning seven or eight games going through complete hell with what we saw there. This, the, the NFL has set up Washington to succeed. And... I think they have an owner that's going to spend top dollar. If you're going to trade for Bill Belichick, he's going to be all in with, with Jim Harbaugh too. And I mean, while I think the Chargers want to hire Jim Harbaugh, I think Harbaugh is intrigued and certainly wants to coach out West. He's going to make a statement by taking the job where, I mean, if he takes Washington and wins there, that's more from the status and perception of what that organization represents in the eyes of the National Football League. And guys, finally... And he's on the coast with his brother. That's a good point. Finally, we will have three quarterbacks drafted in the first three picks in the 2024 NFL Draft. I want to say this is not an overreaction, but I think it is because you have Chicago, Washington, and New England. All three quarterback needy teams... One of these teams, though, is going to make a signing in free agency. The other one, another team, it's not Chicago, is going to have the quarterback drafted ahead of them or a team trades up ahead of them and drafts the quarterback that they want. So Williams May and Jaden Daniels make sense. I think we're more likely to see one of the receivers go in the top three, uh, Harrison Jr. neighbors, uh, personally. I think we see that, even though... It's set up right now, one through three for QB. Yeah, I'm, I think it's an overreaction because I'm with you, Hutton. I think one of these three will go sign veteran quarterback because they don't love the top quarterbacks in this draft and, and draft a Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to go in the top three is, is what I'm saying. It's going to be two quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison Jr. to one of these teams. Someone is going to trade with the Bears to draft a quarterback. Don't know which one, but they're going to move up to number one to draft a quarterback and then one of the next two is going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And then we'll probably see a, a second quarterback in the top three. It'll be two out of three, not three out of three, final answer. Don't rule out Let, tackle either. Because this, is a, yeah. a, this is a league that needs offensive linemen. Last time we had three quarterbacks go one, two, three was 2021, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. Not exactly something that you look back on and be like, yeah, they knocked it out of the park. Trevor Lawrence looks like a Hall of Famer compared to those other two right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, he's not very good. Uh, Davey. That's it, guys. We're... He's going to end it there. We're, I'm going to end it on that it's one. I think that's a good one. Davey, let me, let me give you a little hint here. We end it whenever we want to. Uh, Matthew <laughs> Stafford is not going to uh, Oh, we're going to go with that Oh, one. I was going to save that for Matthew, a little bit later. Matthew Stafford but... is not going to Detroit and winning uh, this weekend. You think he is, Chad? So what is this overreaction, Davey? Matt Stafford leads the Rams to victory over his former team. He does, yes. And um, I mean, the other way you can look at that, too, is uh, Jared Goff going up against his former team, wanting to get revenge because this was more. No of, one's even mentioning that. You're right. This is, uh, I mean, he, he was the guy that was the odd man out. It's like, I, I guess you get to be part of this package. I hate this so much, even saying it, because I love the Lions, love the story. Oh, no. I want them to win the damn Super Bowl. I love Matt Campbell. I hope he bites someone's kneecap off on the way, just like he wants his team to do. This is too perfect of a Lions ending. I mean, it is. it's happening. Matthew Stafford is rolling back into Detroit, oh. and he is winning. They are beating the Lions at home in front of the best atmosphere in the NFL. It's going to feel like 
the best college football game of the year from an atmosphere standpoint in Ford Field. And Matthew Stafford is absolutely going to Detroit and eviscerating oh, his former team in the most cruel form of punishment in the history of the NFL when you consider what happened when they trade Matthew Stafford in year one and then for the buildup to this, to get to the point where you win the division for the first time in so many years, trying to get to a Super Bowl, trying to win it. It's such a Lions ending for Matthew Stafford to win this game. It's happening. Rams are going to win. Matthew Stafford is going to break the hearts of Michiganders and Oopers, Upers, everywhere. It's happening. Coming up, Rodgers, Kimmel, McAfee, ESPN, they've all been speaking or releasing statements or uh, going on shows. And we've got the latest from what Rodgers had to say in response to Jimmy Kimmel. What's next? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Armando Salguero will join us coming up in uh, roughly 12, 13 minutes from right now. Looking forward to that. He'll have the very latest on all of the coaching changes. Uh, Are we going to have to fight Armando today about anything? Probably. Should I I bring up the Vikings record since they benched Josh Dobbs again? Oh, God. No. I have a win-loss record on my side in this argument right now, but I I do not want to get back into that with him. Hey, uh, so... Rodgers went on McAfee today. Are you more surprised that McAfee doubled down yesterday or that Rodgers was on McAfee today? For me, it's Rodgers. I'm not surprised. That ESPN allowed that. After McAfee went scorched earth on one of his bosses. But they had him apologize. And got away with it. Would not apologize. Well, ESPN apologized. Right. But they had... had, Okay. Let's roll the tape on this because in this rebuttal from Rodgers. I don't want to spoil too much. We want to hear yeah. from him, then react. Yeah. But in the rebuttal from Rodgers, he goes after Mike Voss with ESPN yeah. yep. about his apology and how that didn't help anything, which I love from Aaron Rodgers. So I think we're going to start, Hutton, with Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, here's Jimmy Kimmel. Part of uh, his uh, takedown yeah, of, of Rodgers. On uh, Rodgers from Jimmy Kimmel Live on Monday evening. <laughs> I'm not one of those people who thinks athletes and members of the sports media should stick to talking about sports. I think Aaron Rodgers has the right to express any opinion he wants to. But saying someone is a pedophile is not an opinion, nor is it trash talk. Sorry, Pat McAfee. And as far as the, well, you say things about people all the time argument goes, yes, I do. It's not the same. It's not even close to the same. We say a lot of things on this show. We don't make up lies. In fact, we have a team of people who work very hard to sift through facts and reputable sources before I make a joke. And that's an important distinction. So that's just part of a, and I've seen the whole thing, seven minute, 45 second deal about uh, Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't, it was not bad. I mean, there's some, you know, funny moments in it, a very well prepared, um, you know, teleprompter jokes here, joke there Mm -hmm. showing different things. uh, Almost eight minute uh, monologue from Jimmy Kimmel making fun of Aaron Rodgers in that he made fun of Aaron Rodgers intelligence And he said something about, here's a guy who went to community college and then only got into Cal because he's on a football scholarship and never graduated from Cal thinking that he is a genius. So Aaron Rodgers joined Pat McAfee's show. We knew he was going to say something because he was asked about it at their locker room cleanout day with the Jets. And he said, I'll address that on the McAfee show. Tune in. And people did tune in. And here is what Aaron Rodgers had to say to Jimmy Kimmel and about Jimmy Kimmel. Fast forward to, uh, again, unprompted. We're talking on our show, as we do, about a lot of different topics. Somehow the Epstein client list comes up. And I said, it's interesting, and there were for a long time. Even still, there hasn't been a list that's been released. There's been one person's, uh, you know, uh, deposition from a 2015 case, right? But we said there's an, there's an excitement to expose corrupption. And what I joked about the other day about popping a bottle, there's excitement about 
when the corruption anywhere gets exposed and people who are accused of these heinous crimes get exposed, that will be nice, that we can get this all out in the open. That's not there. So I made this comment on the show whenever that was last year, right, I believe. And then unprompted, he comes out and says that I'm an overly concussed wacko. In my opinion, it seemed like because I believe that there was a list and that there were names on that, right? So, you know, then we, we fast forward to this last week, right? And I said that a lot of people, and I'm quoting myself here, a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't come out. End quote. That's what I said. That's the entire quote. Okay? I was referring to the fact that if there is a list, which, again, this hasn't come out yet. This was just a deposition, right? And there are names on it. Then that would be the second time that a soft brain junior college student, you know, wacko, anti-vax, anti-Semite, purveyor, spreader of misinformation, conspiracy theorist, MAGA, whatever other things have been said by him and other people in the media would be right twice. Now, let me just say that that, that is the truth, number one. Number two, I totally understand how serious an allegation of pedophilia would be. So for him to be upset about that, I get it. Did you watch the quote? Because that's exactly what I said. Verbatim what I said on the show. Okay, I'm not stupid enough, even though you think I'm an idiot and you made a lot of comments about my intelligence, but I'm not stupid enough to accuse you of that with absolutely zero evidence, uh, concrete evidence it, that's ridiculous. So I'm glad, and I think we can agree on something, is that uh, one, those crimes are heinous, and two, I'm, I'm glad you're on the list because those, those who are on the list, and this is what I think we can agree on, that at minimum, there should be an inquiry into uh, their involvement, especially if they went to the island, and at maximum, there should be um, an investigation into it. So I hope that you'll give the same type of energy to these heinous crimes when they do come out and the names do come out and, and there is an inquiry into it that you gave to uh, other subjects that I actually mentioned uh, that you spent a lot of time working on. So I'd like to put this. Uh so there's Rogers on Pat McAfee from earlier today where he's discussing Jimmy Kimball, but then he goes on to name another ESPN executive to move forward. I don't understand to just finish this up. You know, I do understand. Um, I don't, I, but I don't understand a Mike Voss comment um, because he didn't help out either. And I'm going to quote Mike Voss. He said, Aaron made a dumb and factually incorrect joke about Jimmy Kimmel. It should never have happened. We all realized that in the moment. Mike, you're not helping. You're not helping because I just read earlier exactly what I said. So, and this is, this is the game plan of the media, and this is what they do. They try and cancel, you know, it's, and it's not just me. It's, it's nowhere near just me. I mean, if you look at all the different people who've been uh, censored from the Internet during, especially during COVID, um, the canceling that went on, the censorship, using the government to try and censor people that happened. Um, and if that doesn't work, then they go to name calling. I mentioned a lot of the, the names that I've been called, and they don't stick because I'm not anti-vax. I'm interested in uh, informed consent and things that are in the best interest of my body. Uh, I'm not a MAGA. <laughs> I've never had any affiliation with anybody associated with that movement, right? Which is okay if you are, though. Like, there's different opinions all over the place, right? If you're, if you're, that's your ideology. That's fine. I'm not a super political person. Okay, do whatever you want. Uh, conspiracy theorists, that's fine. Because if you look at the track record of conspiracy theorists in the last few years. They've been right about a lot of things, so I don't care about that one. Anti-Semite, that was called—I mean, that, that's just like, this is their game plan. They use these words to cancel people, and they went and ran with this, because it's the crazy anti-vaxxer wacko again, talking about, you know, accusing somebody of being a pedophile. Like, of course, this is the game plan that they use. Incorrect, but um, that's, the, that's the, the environment that we're in. You know, we're—there's uh, a lot of people who— have been captured by various 
you know, entities, government entities, whether we're talking about pharmaceutical industrial complex or whether we're just talking about believing that the government has a best interest in mind and we're puppeting, um, you know, various narratives. In the end, if you are not someone whose opinion aligns with the mainstream narrative, this is what they're going to do with you. And it's, it's not me. I'm not a victim. I don't give a shit. Say whatever the hell you want about me. That's fine. Like the people that know me and love me, you know what I'm all about. My teammates know what I'm all about. Um, Most I don't have, you know, like Most I've never teammate, been. By the way, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Won an award yeah. in the middle yeah. of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. for My biggest takeaway from all of this is the mainstream media that Rogers is complaining about. Just let him go on the network and say it again. That's my biggest takeaway from all of it. Number two would be, we're spending more time covering this when Rogers didn't name anybody that was on the actual list. Just continues to talk about Jimmy Kimmel. That's stirring. Again, that's more of the, the headline than anything. I'm interested. I'm interested in this uh, on a number of different angles. One, yeah, they let him go back on. And then in doing that, I can tell it was a surprise when he went after Mike Voss based on Pat McAfee's reaction to that. When he started going down that and he's reading the, uh, they're like, ooh, he's reading the, the apology from ESPN yeah. on it and attacking that and saying, you're not helping. It's not. And I said this the moment it came out. I said, it's very easy for Rogers to come out and say, I never called you a pedophile. I never said specifically you're going to be on the list. I said, maybe Jimmy Kimmel's going to be upset when that list comes out, uh, not saying that he's on the list. And everybody took it as factual that he called him a pedophile, which is not technically true. And all of that. I, I like that sure. Roger said, yeah, if somebody went on here and said that, that's a very serious accusation. I can understand anyone being upset by it. I'll say this about Jimmy Kimmel, too, and I think Jimmy Kimmel's a pretty funny guy. I've been a fan of his in the past. I, you can call Aaron Rodgers a lot of things. Dumb and not intelligence, not, not two of those things. Right. You want to call him. I, I find it funny that a guy that graduated from Arizona State – that has a 92% acceptance rate in Jimmy Kimmel is making fun of a guy for going to community college because he was playing football and then going to Cal and, and not getting his degree from Cal. Aaron Rodgers is not dumb. He's not, uh, he does not lack intelligence. You, and conspiracy theorists even said, you can call me that all you want. I, I probably am. Uh, you can call him a lot of things, but dumb's not one of them. That, that's not yeah. the area I would attack Aaron Rodgers yeah, with. But the, but okay. But, so I understand what Kimmel's saying here, though, because we're, we're talking about pedophilia. And the only name at that time last week that was being mentioned across any platform that was covering this was Jimmy Kimmel. It was, it, we were waiting to see, we were even discussing it. Is the list going to be out? It's supposed to be out today. And that's why they were talking about it. And while others are on the list, Rogers continues to talk about Jimmy Kimmel and... I mean, again, the, the other part of it is... Uh, let me say this, though. I, I, do, I, I do think he's smart. Those, there are plenty of dumb people, though, that will connect Kimmel now, just like to connect any of these other names that have been thrown out there. When I mean, again, this is... Chomos and, and, and pedophilia... Again, we're talking about something that's really serious, and I don't think the focus is... Again, he's, he's saying, like, we, we need to go after the bottom of the list. Well, do it. Well, and, and he, he said that. He talked about how right. serious it was in, in his response to it. But, but he, it took four minutes to describe the background of why he said what he said. And he did, he, again, he's setting up a week later the background, why he brought up Kimmel's name. I, I, Jimmy Kimmel can do whatever he wants. The story is big, and people are going to associate him with Aaron Rodgers and what he said because Jimmy Kimmel posted what he did. Right. Jimmy but, Kimmel hurt himself in that. When Jimmy Kimmel went but, off the top rope and threatened a lawsuit, that was the first time I heard about it. There was no one I, reporting what he said. They were reporting Jimmy Kimmel being pissed off well, about no it. No one's disputing And that's what when everyone went off. I think it goes if, away if, a lot quicker. If Kimmel's talking about his wife and his kid uh, and why he did that, I think any man would defend that in that moment. Yeah, I, I, I think, think they would. I think Jimmy Kimmel made it. But if we're talking about now dumb people are going to associate him with that, Jimmy Kimmel made it worse on himself by doing that. And putting I mean, it out there publicly, maybe so. And again, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think he Kimmel called him a pedophile, though. I, I he didn't I, call him one. I didn't, I didn't, he didn't hear call that. Him one. He just said that. A, a, a people like Jimmy Kimmel, including Jimmy Kimmel. Again, he did. Where's the other? It, 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 he's associated with it. Now it's become the story. That's and Kimmel. Uh, I mean, while I don't agree with everything he's saying in this monologue, 
uh, at, at least he's if if, if no one's that no one's accusing him of lying about this. He's mentioning his wife and his kid. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think any man would do that. Period. In that, yeah, uh, I, for what for what's I, being I'm mentioned just, with the Epstein list. Yeah, I I think it's a, it's a stretch for Kimmel to say I was just called a pedophile based on it was a bad joke. Like if you want to apologize, sure. say I, I don't think he's it called was a stupid one. joke. It didn't land well. It wasn't what I was intending he's to say. He's not called one. He's associated with it. Well, even he, if he, again, he's he's associated with. It. We're talking about the Epstein list, and we're talking about Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, uh, that would piss but me off too. That story blew up because Jimmy Kimmel posted about it. Uh, because he, of he what was it, going he on, he helped it blow up. Well, again, I don't dispute him on what he's saying happened behind the scenes with his family, and if that's true, go at it. And by the way, uh, as far as all the social media clicks and the mainstream media, guess who's getting all the clicks? Mainstream media, ESPN, and both of these guys are getting paid by the same company. When do we get into, even go conspiracy theorists, when's Rogers going to turn it into, this is all just a setup? I mean, Aaron Rodgers kind of is mainstream media now. I guess his argument go. would be, I'm bringing a different perspective to mainstream media. So I'm trying to change the minds of those that consume mainstream media.